Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. But the people knew that Joshua was being led by God. And God was going to use this event and them crossing to, 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 to ratify his choice, to ratify that. In fact, you know, in Romans 8.31, it says, If God is for us, who can be against us? And, and they had a really good ambassador going with them, going before them. They knew that God was with them. Joshua knew that God was with him. God confirmed it to him, blessed him, and God confirmed it through the people. Today on Truth in Christ Radio, God says to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. Welcome to our Bible study with Pastor Rob Kellogg. As Joshua takes a step of faith, God encourages him all the way. God always wants to encourage and help us along in our faith, but we may have our ears closed to his encouragement. God will make Joshua a leader like Moses in the sight of the people, and he will do it by using Joshua to miraculously lead the people across an impossible body of water. And now, let's turn our Bible to the book of Joshua, chapter 3, starting in verse 7, and follow along with Pastor Rob. Really what symbolized God's presence with them. And Israel, if you remember over their history, it became like a, a rabbit's foot to them, unfortunately. Because as long as the ark was with them, they thought that they had the favor with God, even though they were doing wicked things. And people do that today. Ever seen people? I mean, when I was a little boy, I remember uh, somebody gave me a, a rabbit's foot, and I'd have that rabbit's foot with that little silver thingy and a little keychain on it, and I'd have it in my pocket, and I thought I was really something. And I thought that, you know, whenever I had needed luck or something like that, as long as I had the rabbit's foot, nothing would happen to me. Right? And the children of Israel got that way with the Ark of the Covenant. Well, it doesn't matter if we're you know, doing all these wicked things. As long as the Ark of God is with us, that, that's all that matters. Even though the glory had departed. <laughs> Ichabod. The glory had departed from the temple, and yet they were still acting as if God was with them, and, and they were living in disobedience. And so the Ark of the Covenant was, was significant to them, obviously. In verse 4, back in our text tonight, it says, Yet there shall be a space between you and it. About 2,000 cubits. This is um, uh, roughly 100 yards is really what this comes out to be. In, in our vernacular, it might be 10 football fields. Think of 1,000 yards. That's 10 football fields end to end. Imagine that in your head. And that's how far the Levites, the, the, the priests, had to carry the ark, and everybody else was to follow behind them, about a little more than half a mile behind them. And why is that? Because we're talking about a lot of people. We'll see that in a little bit because as you look up here at the screen, they were all camped out right here on the side of the Jordan. When you got two, plus, two million plus people 
Uh, it's going to take a long time for them to cross that Jordan. It's going to take them a long time, and, and it's wide, and they're going across kind of like that. And it's going to take some hours for them to get across safely with all their animals, with all their goods, with all the elderly people, with all the young kids. But there must be a space between them and the ark. And this is perhaps just to instill reverence. And, you know, for some reason in our, in our culture today, there's, even in the church, there's, there, 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 can be, there can be, not all the time, but there can, can be a lack of reverence for the Lord. You know, I hear Christians talk about Jesus as, as if he's some kind of, you know, best friend and best pal. And he is. He is. Don't ever think that that's not true. He is Emmanuel. He is our Father in heaven. But sometimes we can get a little irreverent and say, well, the man upstairs, you know, I pray to the man upstairs. No, he's, and, you know, he's, he's my buddy, you know. Well, he's more than a buddy. It's okay to think of God in a personal way like that. I think we should in, in, in one way, but we also remember need to remember that he's almighty God. And he deserves our reverence. He deserves our worship. And, 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 and we ought to think of him in the highest possible way. We ought to revere him more than any other being, any other thing. I mean, this is the creator of the universe. I like the idea that we can be that intimate with him, but we also need to remember how great and powerful he is. And we should never forget that. But he is our Father in heaven. We can approach him like a child. But verse 5, it goes on. It says, And Joshua said to the people, he said, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I don't know that Joshua knew exactly what wonders were going to be done because the Lord didn't give him that information yet. It wasn't until the morning that the Lord told him what, exactly what to do, exactly how it was going to come to pass. But sanctify yourselves, consecrate yourselves, make your, you know, confess your sin, get yourself right, get your mind prepared. That's the idea. Because they weren't just to be prepared physically with all their goods and all the things, but they need to be prepared for what God was going to do. After all, this was the summation of hundreds of years. Hundreds of years of prophecy and, 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 and things that God said he was going to do. And here they are. This is the time. Everyone would have loved back in, you know, in Egypt to, to be able to see, and back in Abraham's day, to be able to see that moment when the promise is now coming to fruition of the promises that God made to Abraham, the promises that he made to Isaac, the promises he made to Jacob, the promises he made to Moses, and all the promises are now coming to fruition. This is the time. Think of the excitement buzzing in the air. And hopefully they all understood that. Hopefully they all understood that this was the time that God was going to do it. How excited would that be? How exciting would it be? It's a watershed moment. It's the moment they've been waiting for. But he said to consecrate yourself in, the, in God's sight. And, and this is the same exact word that, and the same exact thing they did. Remember in Exodus chapter 19, before God came down on Mount Sinai and gave them the law, he said the very same thing in Exodus 19 verse 10. He said, go to the people, Moses, and consecrate them. It's the same exact word. Set them apart, them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. Let them be ready for the third day. For in the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all all the people. Significant event, the giving of the law. And now, again, another significant event. Now they're getting ready to cross over the Jordan. So verse 6, Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. I like that. God said to do this, and so they did it. <laughs> Isn't it funny? 
None of you are laughing. Why? There you go. Uh, someone, okay, that's good. But yeah, it's simple, isn't it? Do this. Okay, I'll do it. You know, and sometimes walking with the Lord is like that. You know, we read his word, and it's not difficult. I mean, if you look at the word of God and you just are obedient, the, 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 the hardest thing is for me to submit my will to him. His commandments aren't grievous. They're not, they're not difficult, but boy, they're difficult in some ways because it's, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the will, isn't it? And that's the hardest thing. And yet they, he tells him to do this. Okay, I can do that. And, and I guess it is easy in one sense, leading them step by step, telling them what they're going to do. I, I love that. You know, he's just so good like that. So verse 7, the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And you know, this is really good for Joshua. It's really good for him because as a young man and as being Moses' protege, he saw the awe of Moses. He saw, you know, Moses go up and speak with God in person. He saw all these things. And can you imagine the fear of this young man as he is now in control? Or not in control, but he's leading God's people. God's in control, but he's leading him. He's using him. But it's good for him to know. In the next chapter, we're going to look at, uh, in, in Joshua chapter 4, verse 14, that, that God was going to establish him as the leader. And he did. In fact, in Joshua four fourteen, it says this, On the day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, or on that day, and they feared him, as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And so they feared him, they reverenced him, they realized God is with this man. And it was also good for the people. They needed to know that they had a leader who was listening from God, that was being led by God. There's nothing worse than a people not to have a, a, a commander. I mean, think of how, what it would be like in the United States if we didn't have a commander-in-chief. Actually, some people are thinking we wish we didn't. Right? There are some who do feel that way. But think of the chaos that would ensue if there was no order. But the people knew that Joshua was being led by God. And God was going to use this event and them crossing to, 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 to ratify his choice, to ratify that. In fact, you know, in Romans 8.31, it says, If God is for us, who can be against us? And, and they had a really good ambassador going with them, going before them. They knew that God was with them. Joshua knew that God was with him. God confirmed it to him, blessed him, and God confirmed it through the people. And what a happy group that must have been. A group that knew they were led by a leader who was submitted to God and also the people knowing that. And then it was up to them to be obedient to the Lord. In verse 8, he says, You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Notice, (laughs) the water is everywhere. It's going by at a really high clip. It's going by pretty quickly. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this, you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail. Notice the, the confidence that he has in God. Do you have that confidence in God? That he cannot fail? We fail, and we see people around us fail, but do you know that God does not fail? We should know that God cannot fail. He cannot deny himself. He's perfect in all of his ways. And that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites. And this was a big deal, again, because God was bringing to 
to pass what he had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, when you think about this, you know, Jesus has secured us life. You know, they, they were being assured that they were passing from a place of death, passing into life, and Jesus has secured us life. And now it's time that we go forward and walk in, 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 the, in the life and be a witness unto the Lord and unto people that Jesus Christ is Lord. We need to do that as well. But this was a highlight. And notice the miracle of them crossing over was not to entertain them. It was given as a sign to confirm what God had been telling them for centuries now, the promises. And the miracle was necessary to get them across because there's no way of crossing that Jordan. I've seen pictures of, of the Jordan when it's at, at, this, at that time of year, and, and this is just recently. The water is raging through there. It's raging through there. It was a watershed moment. And perhaps you've been, have you had a watershed moment like this? Perhaps a moment in your life where the decision that you're about to make is going to change the course of your life forever? Have you had those moments? I know I have. There's been a handful of them, actually, and I know we're all the same. In fact, there was a verse that the Lord used to call me into the ministry. I remember one Thursday night, Pastor Jeff was sharing out of Deuteronomy. This was back in 2002, and it was on a Thursday night, and he was reading Deuteronomy. We had just started Deuteronomy, and this verse, I was sitting right over here, right where Matt is sitting, and I was sitting there and listening and I was kind of absorbed in my own, just the day that I had at Xerox, because that's where I've been working. And he got to this verse. He, he was just reading it in context, but this is the verse that shot a lightning bolt through me. The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. And the Lord just spoke to my heart immediately right there. And, and basically saying, your time at Xerox, Rob, is over. You've been at that mountain long enough. It's time for something new. And it was that clear to me. And I can't explain it to you. And perhaps you've had an experience like that too, where the Lord has spoken to you very clearly. That was a watershed moment for me. But the funny thing is, is I, I, I hemmed and hawed about it for a year. I'm not kidding. And, and, and within that year, Pastor Jeff had invited me to come on staff and I had just said, you know what, you know, I, I was happy just doing the worship and just kind of doing my thing at Xerox and coming here as a parishioner and just doing what I've been doing and enjoying that. And yet the Lord spoke that to me. So I had a decision to make, and I hemmed and hawed for a year at it. And then there came the watershed moment where it became impossible for me. I was living, you know, in, in the church in a, well, not living, but I was in the church and very busy and active in the fellowship here. And then I was also extremely busy in, the, in Xerox. And it got to the point where I felt like a man who was being torn between two places, just feeling horrible, just being ripped in two. And so finally the Lord just spoke to me again. And, and I knew what I had to do. And so I walked into my boss's office that day. And I said, Phil, i got to tell you something. And he looked at me and he says, you're due for another raise. He thought I was there because I had set up the appointment ahead of time, and he's no dummy. He's probably thinking, what, what, if an employee comes to you and they make an appointment, what is it they want? Money. You know, things are kind of hard and I need more. No, I, I wasn't going there for money. So 
He's like, well, you're about due for a merit increase. And I said, I said, Phil, I said, that's not the reason I'm here. I said, the Lord has shown me that I need to leave. And he says, what? And at that time, I was working on one of the most incredible platforms that Xerox had at the time. And the Lord called me out of it. And, and I enjoyed what I did. It, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot. But when he spoke to me, this was a watershed moment for me, just like it is for Israel here. This is the moment when the decision is going to make a difference, make a change in your whole life. And I remember going into that office, and as soon as I started opening my mouth, I knew the bridge was burned. It was the, I was crossing the Rubicon, in a sense, and there was no going back. And I remember on the way home, I actually pulled off alongside the road, and I wept like a baby because I realized what had just happened. <laughs> I realized that I had burned my bridge. I mean, I was still kind with them, and, and, and actually I still continued to work for them for about another month to transition my responsibilities and train other folks and take my position. But I knew at that moment that that was it. At that point, they wouldn't want me anymore anyway. So verse 11 He says, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth. Notice that. It's not just the Jews' God. It's the God of all creation. This is not just the Jewish God. He's the Lord of all the earth. He's the Lord of all the earth. And this phrase, Lord of all the earth, you're going to see it down in verse 13 of the same chapter, just a couple of verses away. But it reminded me of Psalm 24 where it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and they that dwell therein. Everything belongs to him. So it's not just the Jews' God, it's, it's the God of all the earth, the God of all creation, the God of all the universe. He spoke it all into existence. He holds it all in the span of his hand. How great is this God? Give me a break. Amazing. Amazing stuff. Now therefore, verse 12, take for yourselves twelve men from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests, the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, of all the earth, by the way, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, and the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. Psalm 78, uh, is a psalm of Asaph, actually. And it says in verse 12, Marvelous things God did in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea, and he caused them to pass through, and he made the water stand up like a heap. And certainly he was speaking of the Red Sea, but now as they stand before this mighty Jordan River, it's just raging at this time of year. In verse 14, so it was. When the people set out from their camps to cross over the Jordan with the priests, bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water. And he puts in parentheses here, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. This is not some localized, you know, short, and you know, there's like a, a dry spot, and it's just kind of trickling water. There, there's no way. At this time of year, in the, in the month of Nizan, or in Aviv, as they would also call it, This month is the month of harvest. This is the rainy season. This place is flowing with water. In fact, if you look up on the screen here, this neat little graphic is kind of interesting uh, because up here is Mount Hermon, and this is a 9,000-feet mountain, 9,000 feet above sea level, actually. And the Dead Sea down here 
is about 1,400 feet below sea level. So you think from the waters melting on Hermon going all the way down to the Sea of Galilee, going all the way down into the Jordan here, and it's going from a height of 9,000 feet above sea level to all the way down to the Dead Sea, 1,400 feet below sea level, that water is cruising. It is cruising at harvest season, in the rainy season. This water is barreling down. Verse 15, And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests dipped in, we saw that, verse 16, excuse me, that the waters which came down from the upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, and the city that is beside Zeratan. And so the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jordan. And if we look at this slide up here on the screen right now, we can see that this right here is where they were crossing, right over in this area down in here. But 15 miles upstream, there is a little town or a little place called Adam. And this is where the waters began to be stopped. And some of, there's been, uh, actually I'll get to that later because uh, I don't want to spoil our chapter 4. But this is where it was all dammed up right up here in Adam. It's kind of a plan word, isn't it? There's a dam, Adam. There's a dam up there. Um, I'm glad you laughed because that means you're awake. So praise the Lord for that. But notice that it wasn't until they stepped in that the waters were abated. They had to take the, the, the step because can you imagine carrying an ark? Let me tell you something. That ark was heavy, and as they're walking across and they're, and they're looking at the waters raging by, they're thinking, we're going to die. If we're going to carry this thing across, that means we've got to go down into it. It's going to come way over us, and we're going to be like guys underwater, you know, and we're going to be cruising across. There's no way we're going to make it. We're going to drown within minutes. And the ark is going to be lost and everything in it. The tablets going downstream. But the Lord is a lot like that sometimes with us, isn't he? He tells you to do something, and you're standing before something, and it's not until we take that first step that he actually begins to move, and sometimes he waits for us to make that first move. And from the all-out appearances of things, we're thinking, this is a suicide. This is suicide. Lord, I'd much rather have died in the wilderness. Why are you bringing me now here so that I can drown? You can hear it in their head. And yet, God told them what he was going to do, and they just had to be obedient. So they, they're like, here we go, brothers. <laughs> they start to put their foot in, and immediately the waters start to go down and go down and go down, and then the whole thing dries up. And they're walking across firmly for miles that way and miles that way, or at least miles to the, to the right of them. It's drying up. The waters just stop. And you, you, you ever seen that? When the tide goes out really quickly before a, or before a hurricane and the tide is just being drawn out or right before a tsunami, all the water just starts to recede. And that's kind of like what happened. And they walk across. Kind of reminds me of Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. They had to take that first little baby step. You know, the Lord may cause you to do that. He's not going to give you the whole picture, perhaps. He's just going to say... Take one step in front, of, in front of another. Just do that one thing, and I'll show you the next thing. And then I'll show you the next thing. But it's obedience on our part, right? Because we can't figure this out. I couldn't, have a fig- I couldn't have figured all this out. 
I didn't know what he was doing in my own life. And maybe you don't know what he's doing in your life yet, but you take one foot in front of the other and you find that he is with you and you just be obedient to do the right thing. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.